0: This is Ride Every Stride, episode 43.
1: Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride. And I'm here again with Master Horseman Van Hargis. And are we excited to be talking again, Van?
0: Are you kidding me, man? I'm just always excited, Laura. You know, I want to start this off by telling you thanks. I mean, I, you know, I'm asked a lot of times, you know, what got me started doing the podcast, and I always have to blame you. Say, well, <laughs> <laughs> Laura McClellan got me started on this thing. And um, but it's really turned out to be a great blessing Laura and I really appreciate the encouragement. Thank you so much for talking me into this. It's it's been wonderful.
1: Well, my pleasure. You do I think you're doing a good thing by by putting this content out and I'm I'm happy to have helped light the fire, I guess. So well, today, what are we going to be talking about?
0: I'm going to share a story with everybody. So people love the stories and as Since I'm going into the stories, I'm going to share something else, too. And I, I, I know I've already shared this at least once, but people always ask this, so I just keep answering the same question. But people ask, well, hey, man, how'd you get the title or the, the tagline, The Horseman with a Message? And I have to go back. Many, many years ago, um, I was doing a presentation in Houston, Texas, and a lady there by the name of Kathy Douglas, who at that time was kind of helping me do some other stuff, and She was doing this big charity event down in Houston, and she had asked me if I'd come down and be a part of it. And I said, sure. Well, of course, I did a round pen demonstration with a cult and cult starting thing. And and every presentation that I did, she and the audience noticed that I share a lot of stories. I share a lot of analogies. And afterwards, that evening, she just said, you know, Van, I'm going to start calling you the horseman with a message. So, okay, that's cool. And I really enjoyed that. I thought it was kind of neat. But it wasn't until years later, and I was in Mitchell, South Dakota, doing a presentation up there for uh, Purina Mills, and a little recorder girl came up to me, and she said to me, uh, Mr. Hargis, I want to do this interview. I said, oh, yes, ma'am. I work for the local newspaper here in Mitchell, South Dakota, and I want to do this interview with you and talk about horsemanship and what all you do. And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, well, the first thing I was noticing when I went to your website was you're referred to as the horseman with a message. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, well, what's your message? And I had no idea what my message was. And I, I thought back immediately to that day in Houston, Texas, when Kathy told me, she says, I'm going to start calling you the horse with a message. Well, I never thought to ask her why or what my message was, right? But without hesitation, I always tell everybody, just have faith in God and just open your mouth sometimes and let him do the talking. Because without hesitation, that girl asked me that question. And even though I was dead square on the spot. I looked at her and without skipping a beat, I said, well, I guess my message would be that horsemanship is an opportunity to practice humanship every day. And I immediately stopped and I said, whoa, whoa did I just say that? I said, did, did you write that down? Was that on your little recorder thing? She says, yes. And she says, why? And I said, because that's the first time I've ever said that before in my life, but I like it. So if you don't mind, send me this th- report when you get it done and this, this, this article when you get it done. Huh? I can't believe I said that. Mm-hmm. And she did. She emailed it to me and that's kind of been my, uh, it's kind of been my message ever since, Laura. So, You just never know how you'll be blessed with a quote unquote accident if you want, if people believe in those types of things. But, um, but I'm going to share another story today, uh, about one of my heroes of, uh, of my youth. When I was a young child and I had just started, I've been riding horses for a few years at this stage, but I was really aspiring to be a calf roper. I mean, I really wanted to be the, the, the best calf roper you could be. And as a result, we, we made a lot of sacrifices for that. We had an arena out behind our house, and uh, which meant a lot to us because we were dirt poor. So we had this arena out behind the house. We had practice calves from some of our cattle at the ranch, and and, uh, and I began to practice a lot. And every night after chores and after we got through feeding the horses, I'd go catch one of the calves, and I'd tie it up to the fence, and I would practice tying, you know, flanking and tying. Well, back then, I wasn't really quite big enough to flank a calf. I had to do what we call leg it. And if you don't know, I'll if people will write into me, I'll tell you what legging a calf is. But I'd sit there on top of that calf and I would tie over and over and over again, just trying to get better, trying to get faster. Well, because where we live geographically in Campbell, Texas, oftentimes um, when one of my heroes would pass by headed back home, he lived in Hugo, Oklahoma. So whenever he was down in South Texas or in Texas uh, doing rodeos on his way back home, if he happened to see our arena lights on, he would swing in and say hello to us. Well, this guy was like a two-time world champion cowboy at that time, and, and, and calf roping was his, his primary event. So whenever he would stop by, I just thought, man, how awesome is this to have a hero stop by? And, and, of course, because he was a hero, I always wanted to try to impress him. So whenever I saw his rig pull into the driveway, and he'd come walking through our front gate and, and, and come out there to where I was tying calves, I'd try to impress him by tying him faster, and I'd try to do a lot of stuff. And, of course, like a lot of things in life, when we get in too big of a hurry, we make mistakes. And I remember one time as I was sitting there doing it, and this guy's name was Ernie Taylor. He was like the Roy Cooper of his day, kind of the, I'd almost say the Trevor Brazil of his day, but Trevor Brazil is a phenomenal cowboy that specializes in, in all-around type events, whereas Ernie just concentrated on on primarily calf roping. But he was like the rodeo cowboy that day in time and timed events. So he was sitting there watching me and I'm making these mistakes and I'm trying to do it faster. And, and finally, he just kind of looks back at me and says, you know, Van, I think you need to slow down to be fast. And without hesitation, I just looked up at him, my little bitty innocent voice and says, but Mr. Taylor, this is a timed event <laughs> as if he didn't know that already. Right. I mean, the world champion type guy, and uh, but then he went on to explain, he says, yeah, but young man, every time you put that string on that calf and you try to go too fast you to make a mistake, it takes you twice as long to go back and fix the mistake and get that calf tied than it would if you just slowed down and didn't make any mistakes. Well, at the time I listened to that and just related it to my calf tying and I got to where I was pretty handy because I slowed down and I quit making mistakes. Anytime I found myself going a little bit too fast, I'd force myself to slow down and eliminate mistakes. Always reminding myself what Mr. Taylor had said, slow down, be fast, slow down, don't make mistakes, slow down and be sure. And as a result, it really impacted my my calf roping and it impacted my groundwork on, on handling calves. But lo and behold, through all those years of experiences... I began to realize that, that that quote was so incredibly helpful, not only just in calf tying and, and, and calf roping, but it ended up being probably one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in horsemanship. And then later, as I began to have children and everything else, I also began to realize, you know what, that is a quote and that is words of wisdom that has helped me well beyond working with colts and working with horses. But since this is pretty much a podcast based on horsemanship, I do want to tell people that whenever we find ourselves working with a horse, whenever we find ourselves doing with something, don't be tempted to look around and try to impress other people based on where somebody else is on their journey. For example, Laura, a lot of times I was just asked this question just the other day about how I felt whenever I was competing in some of the cult starting uh, championships and some of the cult starting events that I would I would travel the country and do. And I was kind of known as usually being the, the last guy to get a horse saddled and oftentimes the last guy to get on the horse. But I was also known for the guy who never had a horse buck in any of my competitions. So you see, in other words, I was slowing down. I was doing things nice and slow. And of course, my end result was a little bit more successful. But the question was, well, how do you feel though, Van, when you're looking up And you see everybody else way ahead of you. You look up and you see that in the first five minutes, some other guys already got their horse saddled up. Or you look up and in 15 minutes, some guys got the horse saddled up and they're already riding it around and you don't even have a saddle on your horse yet. How did that make you feel? And Laura, that's where the discipline kicks in. We have to realize and have faith in our program, have faith in what we know, have faith in our ability to work with the tools that we're working with and work in this case with the horses that I'm working with. You see, I'm not working with those other horses that other guy was working on that was on his horse in 15 minutes. I'm not working with the same horse that the other guy was working on that had a saddle on his horse in the first five minutes. I'm working on my horse. Hmm. I'm exercising what I know. And if I have faith in myself and I have trust and faith in my horse that I'm working with, and I have to battle with that to stay slow, stay going, be progressive. In other words, don't dilly daddle, don't waste time. But be efficient and be very confident in what it is it you're doing. And then before you know it, you achieve your goal before you before you realize it. And that's what I realized so many times whenever I was doing those cult challenges or when I was even back in the days when I was tying calves, that whenever I would slow down and have faith in my ability, have faith in my skills, have faith in the program that I was exercising, then as a result, my goals were achieved. And they are also achieved in a way, and this is probably the most important part of that. They were achieved in a way that I could personally live with. You see, in other words, I didn't push myself outside of my, oh, I guess you could say my ethics or push myself outside of what I'd be proud of at the end of, at the, end of the time it was over. I prided myself on practicing good, sound horsemanship and not doing things too quickly, not skipping steps. It may not cost me anything in the competition, but what about the next guy that's going to have this horse after the competition? Am I cheating that guy? Or am I giving him a good, honest day's work? And so, oftentimes, we can get done what we want to get done if we just focus on staying slow but sure, and 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 having faith and confidence in our program.
1: Well, it, and it it really is. I mean, there's so many applications to this, but at the at the end of the day, it's it's comes from an understanding that horsemanship. And a relationship with a horse, that it's it's a long game. It's not a short game. It's a it's not what you can do this minute. It's what do you want to be able to do. What's the outcome you want for a lifetime?
0: Absolutely. And you know, and with, you've heard me say this before on on, on Ride Every Stride, and that's that horsemanship is a journey. And when you mentioned to me just then that you know it's for the long haul. Well, let's face it, horsemanship there is no destination. So you might as well just enjoy every step along the way because you're not ever going to achieve the ultimate. I mean, you're you're just never going to get there. So we really have to realize that it's about the journey. It's what you're doing along the way. And, and even though, you know, sometimes like if I'm working with a cult, well, I can't wait forever before I get that sucker saddled up and get him going. But I've also got to do things that's right. I've got to do things for what's right by myself, what's right by my horse and enjoy the journey and and the the process of learning along the way. And the cool thing is the more we learn, the fewer mistakes we end up making anyway. So, Mm -hmm. But we've got to take the time as we're learning to absorb those lessons instead of going so fast that we skip the lessons. Not the lessons that we're trying to teach other people, but the lesson that our journey is trying to teach us. And once our journey is teaching us and we absorb that, then before you know it, not only is our heart happier because we're enjoying ourselves and we're enjoying the journey, but we're also learning a whole heck of a lot. And then the more we learn, the more we get practiced at that, then the fewer mistakes we make. So it's just amazing how, to me, it all kind of ties in like that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the, the fact is, from a, on a very practical level, if you take the time necessary, whatever that is, in the beginning to lay that solid foundation you actually are going to save yourself time in the long run. Uh, and the converse of that is if you rush through the beginning, it's a false economy. You're not really saving yourself any time because you're going to have to, at some point, you're going to have to come back and do that stuff. And before you can do it, you're going to have to undo the damage you did. I think of with all due respect to my fabulous clients. Um, you know, you know, I'm a lawyer and I have, I have great clients, but there are some who think that they're going to save some money by not having me get involved in the beginning of a deal and just bring it to me done. And sometimes what that means is they've skipped over things that they that they thought weren't important that become very, very important down the road and it ends up costing more to to sort of undo that and fix the problem. And yeah. I see that so much with horsemanship that take whatever amount of time it requires to lay that foundation. And you've talked about that so many times about you only get one chance to have the first, I forget how you say it, but you know, to lay that foundation.
0: Yeah. Horse only gets one first start.
1: Yeah. And so it really is over the long term, you're saving yourself time, trouble, headaches, injuries, uh, you know, expense and everything else by taking the time that's necessary in those beginning steps.
0: Well, you know, Tom Dorrance used to say, and Ray Hunt made it kind of popular, but Tom Dorrance used to say all the time, take the time it takes. Because mm-hmm. people oftentimes, you know, we, we, we want to put a time frame to things that really time is irrelevant. But like, for example, in working with horses and in teaching cults, like you said, that foundation, and he would always say, well, just take the time it takes. Because oftentimes people say, well, how long do I do that? And his response was, well, take the time it takes. In other words, whatever amount of time it takes before I mean, or that that you're satisfied and the horse is satisfied that that's it's it's being soaked in the lessons are being soaked in just take mm-hmm. the time it takes
1: and and that's going to be different with every horse I would think because they're all individuals and so oh absolutely I, I think of how many how many people have come to you and said well I just want you to you know put thirty days on them and and that that'll be good and then I'm going to go do whatever with them.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. You you mentioned that. We had a client and I've actually ridden some horses for this guy before. And um, he called me the day and said, hey, Van, you know of anybody that's got a a really nice ranch horse for my daughter? She's really wanting to get into riding and she's doing really good. But but it's just time that she had her own horse now instead of riding my horse. I said, you betcha. I've got one at the ranch. It would just be perfect. I said, it belongs to a client, but it's just absolutely perfect babysitter. We use him all the time as kind of our ranch babysitter, and we use him for riding lessons, and just a great horse. He knows a whole heck of a lot, but he doesn't do anything that uh, that's kind of cheating somebody. He's just a great little horse for a beginner. Well, he asked me what the client wanted for the horse, and I told him, and he just absolutely freaked out. He says, oh, why does, I can't do that. Well, a few weeks later, he calls me back, and he says, hey, Van, I got this little horse for my daughter. I said, good, I'm glad you found something for her. Well, how'd you come about it? Well, I got it from one of those old rescue deals. It was kind of going to go to the kill pen, and, and I rescued it from the kill pen. Well, Kevin, what do you know about this horse? Well, n- n- not a whole lot, but I know I can put Maddie on her bareback and lead her around. Oh, my God, you know nothing about this horse, and you're putting your daughter on top of it, and you're kind of leading it around? Well, yeah. I said, well, can she ride it without you leading her around? Well, I don't know. I was going to take this horse and kind of test it out one day, and after I got her saddled and went to step on her, she is a little bit antsy. So, Van, can I get you to kind of... Come to or let, let me bring the horse out to the house for you, and and let you kind of do a little evaluation. And I said, Kevin, let's just cut through the chase. What you're really wanting me to do is be your crash dummy. Is that not correct? <laughs> <laughs> you see, what he was really wanting is he'd gone to all these troubles of saving time and saving money, but then all of a sudden he realized, hey, I'm really unsure about this situation, and he wanted somebody else. And in this case, it was me to kind of be the crash dummy. Let's find out what this horse knows and find out what it doesn't know. And I told him, I said, look, I'm not going to be your crash dummy, Kevin, but bring the horse out and let's see, see what we can do. And we literally started from scratch. I pretended that the horse knew absolutely nothing. We started all the way from the ground level as if the horse had never been a- had a saddle on and we just worked our way up. And, and as a result of that, you see, in other words, we were trying to go as slow as we had to go. We were taking the time that it took to make good, safe, sound decisions. Now, sadly, he's found out that we found a lot of holes along the way. And what I mean by that is we found a lot of errors in the horse's training, a lot of things that she didn't know, a lot of things that probably people rushed past. And as a result, the horse lacked a lot of confidence in some areas and didn't really trust in some other areas, all of which are eventually ingredients for an explosion. And we didn't want her to have an explosion with his precious daughter on top of her. So, as a result, we decided to go back and completely put her into a full-blown training program. Long story short, now he spent more money on the horse than would he ever dreamed that he would. Quite frankly, he could have bought my other client's horse for less money. And so oftentimes, we, we think we're going to take those shortcuts in life, and we they don't end up being shortcuts. You know, whenever I think about that, and think about our journey in horsemanship, I oftentimes think about taking a journey in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. and we're we're going to drive from point A to point B, and we might get a little bit bored with the same old journey, and we might decide, you know what? I think that might be a shortcut. I've never taken that road. I'm going to take that road, and we decide to take that detour. We decide to take that that shortcut, which quite frankly I think is awesome sometimes. I think it's good for us to kind of get off the beaten path and explore, but oftentimes, too, we have to realize if that's your goal is to explore, that's not the same as getting to where you want to be because when you go to explore, sometimes that may take a little bit longer. You might discover something that you didn't want to discover or that you didn't think you would discover. But at the same time, you might also discover something that says, you know what, this is really cool. Let's stop and smell the roses. We're no longer worried about how long it's going to take us to get there. Let's just enjoy this short part of the journey. So sometimes those shortcuts can result in a great discovery, but oftentimes they would also... Result in us not achieving what it is that we want to achieve.
1: Yeah, I think of uh, you know somebody driving down the one of the interstate highways here in Texas, and maybe there's an accident up ahead, and so it uh, the traffic's backed up, and and you sit and you watch, and people think, all right, I don't have time to sit here in this backup, so I'm going to cut off, you know, off the freeway into the the side road there. And um, I've seen it happen more than once after there's been a thunderstorm that somebody's going to take that shortcut, going to do the quick way and get stuck in the mud.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Get stuck in the road ditch. Yep. <laughs>
1: yeah. And so that's a, that's another example of where i oh, trying and to get. And do don't the lie, best.
0: Laura, you're still sitting up on the highway going, How's that working out for you there, buddy?
1: <laughs> I do. <laughs> I mean,
0: I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I'm sitting up there stuck in traffic and I see somebody go off and get stuck. And part of me says, Oh, bless your heart. And the other side says, Well, how's that working out for you? <laughs> Heck of, heck of a shortcut there, isn't it, buddy? Saving yourself yeah, a lot of time now. By, yeah, as <laughs> he Le- And as he's, and as he's got this, the, the record service on speed dial now. <laughs>
1: well, you know, another example of where <laughs> trying to take the shortcut may not save you as much time as you would have hoped.
0: Exactly. Well, one thing I do sometimes, Laura, to, to reiterate this, this topic in, in our clinics is I'll get everybody off their horses and go tie them up someplace nice and safe or go put them away. It doesn't really matter, but I'll get everybody back in the arena and we'll line up on one wall of the arena and we're looking toward across the arena to the other wall. And I said, all right, guys, that's where we want to be. And then I begin to give everybody a different assignment or a different strategy to get to the other side. One guy I might decide to tell him, all right, here's what I want you to do. Take two steps forward, two steps to the left, two steps back, and then two steps back to the right, and then take three steps forward or whatever. In other words, I'll just get this guy all tangled up. And then another guy will say, this is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take two steps forward, turn around, and take another step forward. And then that's, that's his strategy. He just keeps doing that. And he just keeps repeating that over and over and over in hopes of making progress toward the other side. And then there'll be one guy out of somebody in our clinic that I will have him look down and literally go heel to toe and just keep making progress across the arena. He's the only one that's not going sideways or not going backwards or not that's spinning around. He'll be the only one that I'll have making forward progress all the time. These other guys are so busy. You see, they're turning around, they're taking side steps, they're doing all these other really cool things. Everybody's doing their respectful assignments. I love that about folks. They're very willing to cooperate. But then you can also see the competitive nature kick in when they realize that the guy that's winning the race is the guy that's going the slowest, but is he's taking one foot in front of the other, literally heel to toe, and he's just gradually stepping across. And I, every time I do that, I obviously at the end of that, I give that guy a little t-shirt here, good for you, you won. And then at the end of the, then I point out to all the other folks, see sometimes to get to where you want to be. It pays to slow down to be fast as opposed to just being busy. Busy is not always productive. I think I've heard that before on uh on somebody's podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> There's a, there's a big difference. Well, that's, uh, an important lesson to be learned. Uh, and I hope that listeners are going to take this to heart. The, the realization that you can take the shortcuts if you want to, because we have freedom of choice, but those shortcuts may not always get you where you want to go. And, um, the, the better choice may be to slow down. Be methodical. Take the, take the time it takes to, yeah. to get to the destination that you have in mind. Really a good lesson to be learned here. And I'm sure something that we'll revisit in the future and maybe apply to some specific kinds of activities that people do with their horses. In the meantime, listeners, if you have questions about what Van has talked about on this episode, He'd love to hear him, love to answer him. So as always, we invite your feedback through the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page or directly by emailing info at com. He'll either answer your email or answer your question in an upcoming episode or maybe both. But either way, that feedback is very, very welcomed. Beyond that, I would say there, are, you know, I encourage listeners to certainly interact in the Facebook page because there's, Conversations that happen there that I think are probably pretty interesting. But to know what's going on with Van and with Van Hargis horsemanship, what's available to you, I encourage you to visit the website at vanhargis.com. This is where you're going to find Van's calendar. You can see where he's going to be in the future, you know, in this coming year. the The schedule fills up and he may well be coming to your area and would love to um, have you be a part of whatever he's doing. And make sure you find him and say hi when you do and say say that you're a podcast listener. He'll probably shake your hand. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, in, in addition to that, if he's not coming to your area, if you look on the calendar and think, oh, man, that, none of that's near me. I wish he'd come out here. Reach out to Van Hargis Horsemanship and see what can be done to get him into your area, either for an expo or other event that's going on, or maybe you and the folks in your barn would want to bring him in to do a clinic for you. You can find out what it takes to make those things happen by just the same way. Email info at vanhargis.com and they will, and let them know what you're interested in. Uh, Van, I know your calendar is filling up, and so we don't want to go through every event because they're all great, and they're all interesting, and they're all available on that calendar on the website. But anything you want to highlight uh, that's coming up this year?
0: Well, first of all, we're going back out to the Northwest pretty quickly. We're going to be going out to Albany, Oregon, in fact, to the Northwest Horse Fair and Expo. And that's going to be kind of a unique deal. Now, the, number one, it's a really good expo. It's been several years since I've done it, so I'm very excited about going out to there, Laura. Uh, but the cool thing is um, it's also going to be comprised of several little mini clinics. So if people would like to to come and be a part of the expo and actually get to ride with me in some of those mini clinics, they can do so by registering either on our website or they can also uh, go to the uh, the Northwest Horse Fair and Expo website. And again, that's in Albany, Oregon, and that's in March the 24th through the 26th. I'm not going to go into all the details, but that's the next one coming up pretty quickly, and we're real excited about it. We hope that we get everybody to come out there and join us at that one.
1: So yeah, that's not long after this episode goes live, so be sure to check that out if you're interested and if you're going to be in the area. Look at the calendar in general to see what's there, and while you're on the website, Visit the store, see what's available there, and do check out the Top Hand Club because uh, that's still growing and going and lots of opportunities there for you to learn more from Van. Anything else you want to say to them, Van, before we close?
0: Well, as always, Laura, I just want to extend my appreciation to everyone. Thank you so much for sending us your emails and your comments and your concerns. We really appreciate it. I just want folks to remember that this podcast is all about and all for them. If it wasn't for the folks out there, um, then, then obviously we wouldn't be doing this. So I really appreciate people taking the time out to listen and, uh, also appreciate the people for, uh, for taking the time out to send us emails and responses. But with that said, Laura, I just want to always remind folks to remember that it's your ride. It's your trail. It's your journey. So ride every stride.